today to another podcast episode of Established in the Faith. This is Pastor James Pierce, and what a privilege it is to have all of you out there by SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, Blueberry, and others. We're just so very pleased and happy to have you with us today. We're going to continue with our study in the book of Romans. I know it's going to be a blessing to you. If it is, like it and share it with others. You can also go over to EstablishedInTheFaith.com And if you go there, you'll find more information on how you can subscribe to this podcast as well. We love hearing from you, so please feel free to contact us with any questions and comments that you may have. Well, we're going to go on into our study now. Let me invite you to go ahead and take your Bible and turn with us, because I know it's going to be a blessing to you. dealing with the subject of justification by faith. Paul is dealing with it in the book of Romans. In the third chapter of Romans, in verse 23, Paul said, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That is the state that the entire human race is in. We're all guilty of committing sin. Regardless of what that sin is, or who the individual is, what their race is, it does not matter. Anybody can be cleared of all the charges of sin that may be against them. Paul said in verse 24 of Romans 3, "...being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus." It's all through and by what Jesus did for us at Calvary's cross. When he closed out the third chapter of the book of Romans, Paul said, Romans 3 verse 28, Therefore we conclude that a man is justified or cleared of all the charges of sin by faith without the deeds of the law. In other words, salvation is not based on doing or not doing certain things. It's all by faith. Now, in the fourth chapter of the book of Romans, Paul brings forth different examples. Abraham is the first one. If you'll look there in verse 3 of Romans chapter 4, the apostle Paul said, For what says the Scripture? Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Abraham was justified long before Uh, The law of Moses was even given, and he was justified by faith. In verses 6, 7, and 8 of the fourth chapter of Romans, the apostle Paul uses David as an example. David was under the law, and he was justified by faith as well, although he had committed the terrible sins of adultery and murder. He still had faith. Even though he had committed those terrible sins, he still had his faith that if he went to the Lord and repented of those things, that the Lord would forgive him, and God did forgive him. However, David didn't get off scot-free. He had to suffer the consequences of his sin. Understand this tonight. There are consequences to sin, and you'll have to pay those consequences. The Lord will forgive you, and your ticket to heaven is, is, is still open. But sometimes 
their consequences to sin. And David paid greatly for it. His son died. His enemies became those of his own household. But when it was all said and done, David was saved. He didn't allow those sins to rob him of his faith. And that's the key. We all fail the Lord from time to time. But it's when a person habitually practices sin that you can have a problem. Do not allow the sin to rob you of your faith. If you fail the Lord, the Bible says if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we fail the Lord, if we'll go to him and confess that thing, he's promised to forgive us. And it's just that simple. So don't let the sin, the failure, rob you of your faith. David didn't allow it to rob him of his faith, and uh, David was ultimately saved. Now, David tried to cover up his sin with Bathsheba. He had Uriah killed and uh, tried to cover it up. Now, had David continued down that road and had not repented of that thing, he most definitely would have lost his way. But thank the Lord, he repented of that thing and the Lord saved him. Understand this tonight. You cannot stay on a level with sin. If you're habitually practicing something that is wrong, it's one thing if you're struggling with something and, you're, and you want victory over that thing and you ask the Lord to, to forgive you, Lord, please help me, I don't want to do this thing. It's one thing when a Christian is struggling with something, but it's something else when a person says, oh, well, I'll do it and God will forgive me, and they just habitually keep right on doing something. And a person like that, I wonder, I have to question that. But at any rate, you can't stay on a level with sin. It drags down, it erodes your faith, it'll bring you to a place. That's, that's the dangerous thing about sin. It hardens the heart of the individual. And the flesh gets so loud in the midst of all that, it, it, it's hard to hear the voice of God. And a person can lose their way if we don't repent of our sin and turn away from it. As we stated last Sunday morning, repentance is more than just a one-time uh, situation. I think it's a state of mind that you and I as a child of God should always be in. We should humble ourselves before the Lord and be quick to ask his forgiveness when things happen, whatever the case. Uh, in verses 9, 10, 11, and 12, Paul deals with the subject of circumcision. That was the big thing then. You had certain Jewish believers they accepted Christ as their Savior, but they were trying to hold on to different portions of the law, and they were saying, well, you've got to be circumcised to be saved. And uh, Paul is telling them, no, you don't. And he uses Abraham once again as an example. If you'll look there in verse 11 of Romans chapter 4. And he, speaking of Abraham, received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of the faith which he had, yet being uncircumcised. Look at that. In other words, God declared Abraham to be justified. 
uh, declared him righteous in Genesis 15 and verse 6. The sign of circumcision wasn't given until many years later in Genesis chapter 17. So Abraham was justified by faith, not by law, because the law wasn't given at that time. At the same time, the sign of circumcision hadn't been given at that time. So we're not justified or saved by keeping the law or by participating in some ceremony. And that could be any type of ceremony. Paul used that because, like I said, that was the big thing then. The big thing now is water baptism. There are people who say that if you're not baptized and watered and you're not saved, you have some who say that if you don't partake of the Lord's Supper uh, every week, then you're not saved. You have others who say if you don't speak in tongues, then you're not saved. If you don't fast so much, and the list goes on and on and on of different things. Foot washing. Um, None of that. Salvation is not based on any kind of religious ceremony that you uh, engage yourself in. Now, we partake of the Lord's Supper. We do that because that's one of the ordinances of the church. That's what the Lord asks us to do. But it has absolutely nothing to do with your personal salvation. All right, look at verse 13, Romans 4, verse 13. For the promise that he should be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. Now, let's take a look at that last phrase there, the righteousness of faith. Everybody has faith. Every single human being in the world has faith, including the atheist who says there is no God. He has faith. It's faith in himself, but it's still faith. Our whole economy runs on faith. Um, A few years ago, I had faith in my own design of building a pecan cracking machine, and we built the thing, sold the first one, and started my own business, and the Lord has blessed that, and we're able to keep our heads above the water because of that. All of that was because of faith. Our whole economy operates on faith. Those of you here tonight, you had faith in what you were doing, and that's how you made your living. Now, some of you work for somebody else. You've got the faith that your boss man at the end of the week or every two weeks or at the end of the month, whatever the case, you've got faith that he's going to pay you uh, what he said he was going to pay you. Now, if you didn't have faith in it, you wouldn't be working. <laughs> so, at any rate, uh, the whole system operates on faith. Your faith has to be in something. There has to be a target out here for your faith to be in, or else it's not faith. Now, what Paul is talking about here is the righteousness of faith. We all want to be good enough. We all want to be righteous enough to make heaven our home one day. We all want to hear the Lord say, well done, good and faithful servant. So what are you believing in? What is your target of faith? What are you putting your faith in to get you there? Is it your good works? 
we're justified by faith. Faith is what's going to get us there, but it has to be faith in a particular thing. What was Abraham's faith in? Let's take a look at that. What was his target of faith? Over and over again in the book of Genesis, we see where Abraham would build an altar to the Lord. You didn't build an altar unless you were going to offer up a sacrifice. Well, where did he learn that? Abraham was a Syrian. He built these little idol gods, little g, um, to the moon god Ur. That's how he made his living. Somehow he heard, some say it was Noah's son, Shem. We really don't know for sure. Somehow or another, someone witnessed to Abraham, and we see him building an altar and offering it up to the Lord. Where did he learn that at? Well, it goes all the way back to Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. When God took the animal and took the skin off and, and made coats of skins and covered Adam and Eve. It was in that first sacrifice right there that God showed Adam and Eve how to have relationship with God. This right here is how your sins can be covered and how you can have relationship with God. We see Cain and Abel coming along doing the exact same thing right on down the line. And now here's Abraham. His faith, his target of faith was in that sacrifice. And understand this tonight. Salvation has always been in the sacrifice. They didn't understand it all back then. They knew a little bit. Today, it's all a finished work. We look back, we understand that it, that it was Jesus Christ and his death on the cross is what saved us. So that today is to be our target of faith. Abraham's faith was in the sacrifice. That made him righteous and it ultimately brought about the promise of God. Now, what exactly was the promise of God? Go back to Genesis again, immediately right after Adam and Eve fell in the garden. Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15. God said, I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. God's promise to Abraham was that he would become the father of many nations and that all the families of the earth would be blessed through him. Like I said, Abraham didn't understand it all. But with that, he knew that somehow he was going to play a part in that Redeemer coming into the world because God pointed to a Redeemer right there in Genesis 3 and verse 15. And that's where the sacrifice was tied in. Abraham's faith was in the sacrifice, but it was also in what God told him. He, like I said, he didn't understand it all, but he knew somehow down the line he was going to play a part in the Redeemer coming into the world. And the Bible says that God counted it to him for righteousness, and that's the righteousness of faith. Now, today, you and I, by faith, we are considered to be the seed of Abraham. And I'm here to tell you tonight, whatever God has promised us in his word, as a child of God, as a seed of Abraham, 
by faith in the target, the right target, as Abraham's faith was in the right target, the sacrifice. As your faith is in the sacrifice that makes you a seed of Abraham, you can have everything that God has promised you in this book right here. Now you you think about that. Everything that God has promised you, you can have it by faith in the finished work of Christ. Paul said it's not through the law. I want you to notice that there in verse 13. Why is the Holy Spirit through Paul continuously keep bringing up this subject of law and circumcision? He keeps dealing with this over and over again. Paul was writing to the church at Rome. He was talking to people he had never even met before. Most of the people there in Rome were Gentiles. They weren't Jewish. And here's Paul constantly talking about the law and circumcision. These folks didn't even know anything about the law. They didn't know anything about circumcision, but here's Paul continuously. The Holy Spirit, through Paul, keeps talking about law and circumcision. Why does he keep addressing this? Not only for that church then, but churches for all of time, from then right on up until now. And people didn't know nothing about the law of Moses, but here's Paul talking about it. I'm going to tell you why. We as human beings, as a result of the fall, because of the sin nature that resides within our hearts and lives, our default position is law. We automatically gravitate toward law. All of us do. And that's why Paul is dealing with this over and over again. Now, he's dealing here primarily with the law of Moses, but it could be any kind of law made up by man. It could be a law made up by the church. It could be a law made up by a denomination. It could be a law that we make up ourselves. Any type of law, that's what Paul is referring to here. The promises of God... What promises? The promise of salvation. The promise of the Holy Spirit being in our lives to help us on a daily basis. The promise of healing within our physical bodies. The promise of living a victorious life over the world, the flesh, and the devil. All of God's promises is by faith. It is not by keeping certain laws or particular ritual or anything of that nature. It's all by faith. Now, look at verse 14. Romans 4, verse 14. For they which are of the law be heirs. For if they which are of the law be heirs. In other words, if those who have placed their faith in law keeping, that is their target of faith, and they're saved by keeping the law, then faith is made void. Take a look at that. In other words, the faith of Abraham and all of those born before the law was given, their faith is made void. It's no good. They're not saved because the law hadn't been given at that particular time. Is that fair? 
No. God is fair in his salvation plan. He showed Adam and Eve how to have relationship with God. And from there, every single, nobody gets left out. See, that's the problem with false doctrine. The Mormon church says you've got to be a member of their church in order to be saved, as they, as they call it. Well, what about all the hundreds of thousands of people that was born before the Mormon church was even established? All them people died and went to hell then. That's the problem with false doctrine. It always leaves somebody out. And that's the problem with law. That's why salvation can't be by law. Because not everybody in here can do the same thing. So I can make up a law tonight and say, hey, give me, give me a hundred push-ups and you can go to heaven. How many of you in here can give me a hundred push-ups tonight? Five push-ups and you can go to heaven. How many of you can do it? If I were to put that law out tonight, how many of you? See, it's going to leave somebody out. But God did not leave anybody out. His salvation plan is on faith because guess what? Everybody has faith. The whole system works on faith. Now, he said, faith is made void. It leaves somebody out if they're operating or trying to be saved by law. For if they which are of the law be heirs, faith is made void and the promise made of none effect. Again, the main promise of God goes all the way back to Genesis 3.15. I'll put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his head. Heal. God pointed to the Redeemer right there. That was the promise. You have failed. You have sinned. But I'm going to send a Redeemer into the world. And he's going to crush the head of Satan. That was the promise of God for the Redeemer of mankind, which ultimately was the Lord Jesus Christ. But the promise of God can be any promise of God. Anything that God has promised us in his word. It's all by faith. But it can be made of none effect if we're trying to do it some other way. By law keeping, a ceremony, any of that type of thing. All right, verse 15. Because the law worketh wrath. The effects of the law is condemnation. In other words, every law has got some type of penalty that you're going to suffer if you break it or else it's not law for where no law is there is no transgression if there's no law you can't break it if there's no speed limit out here on this road you can go however fast you want to the man can be sitting there clocking you it don't make any difference because there's no speed limit on that road out there but if they put a speed limit up and you go over it, he's going to write you a ticket. You're going to have to suffer the, the punishment for that. You're going to have to pay a fine. But where no law is, there is no transgression. You can take this same verse and flip it around and uh, say it this way. The more one tries to keep some type of law or regimen, the more transgression there will be. Think about that. 
And the last thing that you as a Christian wants to do is get yourself involved in something that's going to cause you to transgress more. Understand. Verse 16. Therefore it. What is the it? Justification. Therefore, justification is of faith that it might be by grace. The end result of law is always going to be condemnation. But the end result of a correct target of faith in the cross of Christ is always going to be grace. And grace is the divine influence of the Holy Spirit upon our hearts. And then its reflection can be seen in our lives. Every day. The grace of God is by simple faith. To the end, the promise might be sure to all the seed. Like I said, this leaves nobody out because everybody has faith. There is a sure promise of salvation available to every single human being for all of time who will target their faith in God's redemption plan. Not to that only, Paul said, which is of the law. In other words, it's not just for the Jews, but to that also which is of the faith of Abraham. It's for Gentiles also, who is the father of us all. Again, Paul uses the faith of Abraham as our example and states that everyone has to come in the same way. It's simple faith in God's redemption plan. That is for salvation, that is for sanctification, that is for the promises of God, and that includes every promise of God that God has made to us. It all is received by faith. But your faith has to have a certain target. It cannot be in me doing something, reading so many scriptures a day or so many hours of prayer or church attendance. There has to be one target for your faith. And that is the cross of Christ. Understand that. If your faith is in something else, then the promise is made of none effect. Your faith has to have that target of the finished work of Christ. Christ is the source of everything we receive from God. But the cross is the means by which we can receive it because it was at the cross that our sin debt was forever paid by the Lord Jesus Christ. If the program today has been a blessing to you, we hope and pray that you'll share it with others. This podcast has been made possible by the prayerful and generous financial support of listeners like you to contact us or to contribute to this ministry. Go to establishedinthefaith.com, click on the Donate tab. All donations are safe and secure through PayPal. We look forward to hearing from you.